G'day guys, welcome to episode 164 of Talking with TK. I'm your host Tristan Cannell. Hope you're all staying safe and pretty much sane during this little isolation period. Hope you're also enjoying the extra podcast I'm pumping out. I did get some good feedback from the Donny Singe and also the Jimmy Maloney potty. So really hope you enjoyed those ones. Do definitely get in touch. Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com or across all my social medias, Facebook or Facebook Tristan Cannell, K apostrophe N E double L. Give me an ad, I'll add you back. Or Instagram Tristan Nell, K N E double L. Talking with TK across my Twitter and Facebook. Definitely stay in touch during this little period. I think we're all going to need each other. So definitely reach out for a yarn about anything, whether it's footy, sports, life, anything. Definitely encourage you to get in touch. All right, today's guest on the show, Blake Austin, an absolute champion fella. He's actually killing it over in the Super League at the moment for the Warrington Wolves. I used to love watching him play at the Canberra Raiders, as well as West Tigers and Penrith Panthers. I was actually at his debut game, because one of my mates was also on as a referee for his debut game on that one as well. So quite an interesting tale that we'll go through today. But uh, Blake's a really interesting fella. And he's got much, a lot of great stories to bring. He only lived down the road from me as well. He, he grew up in Doonside and moved to Mount Druitt. I grew up in Quakers Hill. So I relate to a lot of the stories that he brings out today. And like I said, just an absolute champion bloke. Definitely go out and check all the back, back catalogue, especially right now, www.talkingwithtk.com. You'll find it on any good podcast apps such as your podcast I uh, see Apple Podcast and also your Spotify. Check out some of my stable mates, Diamond Tina Podcast Network. We're at the Batuta Advocate, Hello Sports, Dylan Friends, as well as the Halfcast Podcast. There's something for everyone on this podcast network, so definitely check out the Diamond Tina boys. My book, Talking with Champions, out now. You probably can't go in store at Dimmicks, but you can definitely get it online at Dimmicks. Booktopia, Angst and Robinson. It's a great way to pass the day. Some great stories in there, so. Help support the cause. I'll continue to grow the show. Some of these podcasts are also getting published now on ESPN Australia. So if you want it in story form as well, we're doing some short articles there with ESPN. So jump on the ESPN Australia website and uh, yeah, just help me by supporting me, but pretty much by sharing it, sharing anything that I kind of post on social media really helps me to continue to grow the show as well as reviews. If you've got a bit of a chance and you haven't yet, if you could review on Apple Podcasts or if it lets you on your podcast app or also the Facebook page, if you could just leave a quick review on that one, if you use Facebook. All right, guys, excited for today's episode, and I introduce Blake Austin. All right, guys, my special guest today is Blake Austin. Blake is a professional rugby league player for the Warrington Wolves in the English Super League. His career started at Penrith and took him to the West Tigers and Canberra Raiders where he played 122 first-grade games, scoring 43 tries, 11 goals and a field goal before leaving for Warrington in 2019. He has played for New South Wales City once in 2015 while also making his senior rep debut last year playing two games for Great Britain. Welcome to the podcast, Blake Austin. Blake, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, Tristan. Thanks for having me, mate. Absolute pleasure, Blake. Well, mate, we're in kind of a lockdown now. So last week, you guys actually were the first rugby league competition to stop stop the competition. So it's been it's been a week now, mate. So why don't we just give a little bit of insights into to how Blake, Blake Austin has dealt with the first week of isolation? Um, yeah, it hasn't been easy. We we made the decision as a club to continue training, and um, we managed to get two days in last week and plan for a full week this week. Um, but with the government decisions to uh, we've got a pretty you know, full-on lockdown system in, in place at the moment, so we haven't been able to train. So um, now that we know that training's been put off for a little while, it's sort of about settling in and 
uh, making sure the kids are comfy, getting through their schoolwork. And, uh, you know, I certainly want to use this time to further my knowledge in a few different things and, um, you know, in a, in a weird way, sort of looking forward to it. Yeah, what's what's the club's approach in terms of you guys staying away from each other and also, you know, in this time, trying to obviously keep your, your physical and mental fitness up? Obviously, a lot of the um, precautions, we're, we're getting that sort of advice, you know, on the telly and from the government. Um, when we did make the decision to continue training, there was there was certainly a lot of precautions put in place so that we could continue. And um, yeah, but now that we're sort of at home, it's it's more about, uh, following the guidelines and um, you know just given given the club a yell if if any symptoms appear or, or anything like that yeah black I've seen you've you know you set a few goals for yourself you know obviously reading and you were just having a bit of a laugh about you know obviously your missus teaching you how to cook but has this time even though it's only been a week has it opened your eyes up to maybe exploring things for yourself post footy um, yeah potentially um, just open my eyes probably to life a little bit in in a way I think you know me and my wife have sort of joked that the kids are going to get a bit of a reality check you know the, the food's a bit more scarce and um, you know I'm not sure how long the money's going to be rolling in for so um, you know it's it's uncertain times I wouldn't say it's scary times we're, we're sort of embracing it as it comes and um, you know even today for example I've I learned that you can actually make a coffee at home and enjoy it. You don't have to go to a cafe. And <laughs> yeah, you're right. This, so little things like that, mate, I'm really enjoying sort of, um, yeah, you know, I've seen a few things around that said this is our chance for a bit of a restart and, and really reevaluate where we're at in life. And, um, you know, I'm sort of embracing it at the moment. Yeah, I see you young fella's a bit of a soccer player, mate. Have you got a bit of a yard outside that you guys can still have a bit of a kick? Yeah, when we, when we talk about after footy, that's obviously my... Uh, my plan is to get my son very good at football and um, have him look after mum and dad for a very long time. So, <laughs> Have you spoken to Corey Patterson? Because his son's a yeah, gun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got Kylie Lillewa at our club and you know his son's right in there in the Man City Academies as well. So, uh, But he's enjoying it at the moment. He sacked off uh, rugby league this year. He, he had, enough, had enough of that, I think. Someone introduced a sport where you don't have to um, tackle anyone or get tackled, so... He's only too happy to, um, you know, put it put it all into soccer, and he's enjoying it at the moment. Yeah, I saw that Instagram post you actually did when you you were both goal kicking at at Warrington's ground, and he was still slotting him, mate, and you were you were missing him. <laughs> you know, he's he's pretty handy with the ball. He's he's a lot like his dad. He he loves all the the silky side of the game, and um, not as keen for the tougher stuff. So. Um, as I said, he's really enjoying football, and I told him if not football, we'd get him into rugby union. So. We turn him into a 15, sit at the back and, and kick the ball into touch for, for 80 minutes, mate. Uh, good on you. I see you've got a bit of a rivalry too. What, what's, he's Man City, yeah, and you've jumped on the wagon of the Liverpool. Is that, am I getting that right? Yeah, definitely. We, You know, I'm certainly not a lifelong Liverpool fan. I've got no shame in saying I jumped on last year and um, what a year it was to sort of, you know, I, I chose Liverpool, he chose Man City. So it turned <laughs> out to be a great year. There's obviously, you know, a really big rivalry and um, as it would be, the Looks like coronavirus would be the only thing sort of standing in the way of Liverpool uh, winning the Premier League. Yeah, hopefully they still get the, the title. Well, at least the Austin household has always got a Premier League winner, so it must be going all right since you guys have gone over. Yeah, you know, you know City's been barred from the the uh, Champions League for a few years, so um, I've offered him a, a Liverpool shirt to come over, but he's, um, he's sticking pretty staunch to his team. Yeah, what's it like? Have you guys been to many games over there? 
Um, we we get Man City tickets quite regularly um, through our owner, and um, you know City really struggle to fill a stadium, unlike Liverpool. So um, they they offer a lot of free tickets around, whereas at Liverpool it's certainly very hard to come by. We've got a director at the club that takes us along along a few times. We probably get to two or three Liverpool games a year, and um, mate, there, there couldn't be many better live products in the world than than Anfield in Old Four House. Yeah, I can only imagine, man. All right, Blake, take me back to Blake Austin being a kid and growing up in Doonside, because I actually only grew up down the road. I grew up in Quakers Hill. So uh, for me, I know plenty guy. about Doonside. I even, yeah, I played for the Doonside Hawks. I was more of a soccer player than a rugby league player. So career reserve to me was every Saturday morning, mate. And when I was refereeing as well in the Penrith District, you know, I, was, I used, to, used to always put me down at, at career reserve. So I'm sure I probably would have refereed you, refereed you back in the days when you were when you're playing for the Roos. But, yeah, take me back to, to Doonside, mate, and growing up with fam. Um, yeah, I really, really loved my childhood. Going back to what we said about it, my own kids will, will get a rude shock at the moment. It's, you know, they're getting a taste into to how their mum and dad grew up, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So um, I had a, a really supportive mum and dad that um, were, were really footy mad and, you know, had grandparents that really loved supporting their grandkids when, when it came to sport and anything they wanted to do. So, um yeah, played played a lot of footy at Doonside. Went to school in Doonside, and then you know, managed to we moved to Mount Druitt when I when I started high school. Yeah, nice, mate. You your mum's a massive para fan, and you are too, yeah. Yeah, my grandmother. You know, it, it stems back to her. She, um, God bless her, passed away at the the back end of last year. But um, you know, she tells stories of of lining up for days in queues to to get her hands on grand final tickets and things like that. It was, <laughs> Yeah, she, Steve Price was her, her, her uh, Ray Price. Sorry, was her Ray Price, and uh, you know she was she was certainly the tragic, and and Mum was was certainly the biggest supporter of my career as well. So, Dad coached me sort of the whole way through, but you know when it comes to me sort of playing professionally, that Mum was the one that I wouldn't miss a game. Dad'd be happy to sit in the lounge room. So, um, yeah, big fan. Yeah, those power teams were awesome because I'm not sure if you you know cause one of my best mates is an NRL referee. His name's Grant Atkins. So, I'm not sure if you've come across him, but his dad was in all those premiership teams. So, his dad used to always invite us to, like, when they caught up. So, I got to meet all the boys, you know, the best best guys ever, like all the, you know, Eric Groth, Brett Kenny, all those blokes, and just hanging out with those guys, having a few beers with them. It's amazing, man. Yeah, I think Grant refed a lot of Toyota Cup from memory, and um, does that sound right? Yeah, he did, and obviously he's yeah. in, in NRL now. Yeah, so. always, always got on quite well with him in, in Toyota Cup. So. But, yeah, Parramatta... You know, had some had some great years. It hasn't been as fruitful as of late, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to sort of finish and become a fan again. Yeah, are you like now that you're in, like you know, you just said becoming a fan again. Now that you're kind of in England, do you kind of like chuck a para jersey on and and watch the game? No, nah, no, nah, not you know. I'm I'm warranting at the moment. I'm, I'm putting everything into that, and um, certainly when I come over here, I made the decision not to follow the NRL too closely. Um, it's been easier said than done. I'm, I'm a tragic, um, you know, I've got no shame in saying that. So I've still been keeping a very close eye on it. But um, I just thought coming here, I needed to to leave that behind for, for a little bit to, to make sure I fully jumped into my move over here. Yeah. But is it any coincidence that Warrington wear the same colours though? Uh, we sort of had a bit of a joke about that when we... Um, when I came over and um, as it was, I, I actually nearly went to the Eels, you know, I um, w- w- wasn't he going to do that to go back and be closer to family. So, uh, but it wasn't to be. 
Yeah, okay. All right, mate, tell me, I've, I've just heard a little story about you guys winning a, a four-wheel drive on the footy show. Yeah. Tell me the story about this. Um, I've always said it's, you know, it's a really cool story that I'll sort of have with me for life, I think, you know, not bragging or anything like that, but um, obviously the footy show was a, you know, a rite of passage as a young kid. You got to stay up late on a Thursday night and watch Fatty and Stella and the boys. So uh, they had a segment called League of Their Own and you obviously send in a try from a, from a junior game and they pick a weekly winner and, and they go into the running to, to win the whole thing and the, and the prize is a car or, or, or a large sum of money. So uh, the year I won it, we we won a Holden Jackaroo, which was a four-wheel drive and uh, mum and dad sold it straight back to the dealership and uh, was a deposit on their house. So at nine years old, I, I played a pretty big role in getting mum and dad out of housing commission and, and buying a house. So uh, something I'll always be very, very proud of. Yeah, man, I used to love the Thursday nights. Mate, it must have been a bloody good try if, if you won. To be fair, yeah, it was. We were playing in the grand final at Penrith Stadium. and um, Yeah, so it was, a, it was a decent try. I had to kick a drop kick to, to steal it. So it was three-point tries. So I scored a try and it was three-all. And then I had to kick a drop goal. So, uh, But, man, I was nervous as hell going on the show to collect the car. <laughs> I was nine years old with cameras in front of my face. I had a para jersey on. And um, I answered yet to, to about nine different questions. Do the, mate, it would be funny if Channel 9 must still have the footage of that. Like, yeah, it'd be interesting I'm, to see if... Did have you ever asked anyone that worked at Channel 9 if they could they could get it up for you? No, I'm sure it's um, I'm sure it's doing the round on YouTube. The rounds on YouTube somewhere. I, when I made my NRL debut, they, they actually got me back on the show and sort of made a bit of a point out of the fact that I'd, I'd won that and then got on to play in the NRL. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a thrill, mate. Yeah, nice. So, mate... You know, you've scored this length of the field try. You must have been a, a bit of a gun growing up. Like, talk to me about, like, kind of your rugby league development coming through at Doonside. To be fair, I, I actually make a bit of a joke, you know, amongst my teammates that I, my career probably peaked between the ages of about 7 and 13. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even exaggerating, I suppose. I think <laughs> Why is that? I was, just, I was the fastest kid. I was... Um, I was making all the rep sides that you could make, the, the, the New South Wales PWSA sides and things like that. And um, Things just dried up between sort of probably 12 and 15. I really struggled. I, I lost a bit of pace and struggled a bit. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I do make a bit of a joke and say I, I peaked at about nine years old. So, Okay. Who was, who, what players came in when you were playing in Penrith? What players came through when you were playing in the junior league there? Yeah, so in my, in my age group, Matthew Wright was the was the Ants Pants. He, um, Ricky Stewart signed him to the Sharks as a 16-year-old for for crazy money. I think it was about 70 grand and he, he got a Toyota Camry in the deal and, you know, all us kids at 16 just thought that was that was unbelievable. So, I can uh, imagine, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was certainly one of the uh, one of the best to come out of our age group as a, as a youngster. Yeah, it's one of those things that he just probably, if, if you put the pace of like an Addo car on him, he would he would have been like a Greg Inglis or something because, he, in terms of his positional play and what he was doing on the field, 100% he was one of the best players. He just, I think the physicality, I don't know what it was, because he was a tough fella. I, just, I think he just lacked just a touch of speed, I think. I'm not sure you're probably better off answering that than me. I think looking back on it, I think he was used up really young by the Sharks when they, they weren't going so well. And to be fair, I just don't think he ever really recovered. He certainly had a few good years at Manly and the Cowboys after that. and. Um, but from from what he was as a youngster, he, he probably should have done a few more things. But 
Um, as I said, the Sharks were, were quite ordinary in the period that he was there and mm, um, yep. he was sort of picked every week. I think I remember him playing fullback a few times and you know, struggling under a high ball and things like that. And, um, it can certainly knock your confidence around. Yeah. Black, did you play any other sports when you were growing up? Yeah, I was obviously a, a pretty quick kid, so my athletics was uh, huge. And, you know, I think that's that's really important for any, you know, aspiring athlete sort of development. I think what you learn at, at little A's is, you know, not just physically, but, you know, the friendship side of things. And um, I was I was quite a decent baseballer as well, but uh, baseball was just something that I used to tie me over until the footy season come back. It was never going to sort of, I was never going to allow it to take over rugby league. Yeah, what what were your baseball like? Were you a pitcher? Were you a hitter? No, I was a bit of a short, shortstop, and um, you know, could hit a ball all right. So um, I certainly had the opportunity to to play in a few rep sides and things like that. But as I said, the rep, so you, you'd play your normal season, and if you wanted to continue with the rep stuff and go into the winter, so um, wasn't something that ever sort of interests me. Okay, well, did you ever have to like decide? Like, is was it always? going to be rugby league or was it close to maybe picking another sport yeah like i said it was never a decision in anything i think yeah i was pretty talented at most things i tried as a youngster and um but as i said they were just even athletics i suppose was just a way to make me quicker to make me a better rugby league player in in some ways so uh, yeah i always wanted to be a rugby league player yeah nice uh blake you mentioned before that you moved to mount Druid. i think you said it at nine years old what did you find the difference between living in Doonside and, and mount Druid? Uh, absolutely nothing. I think um, very, very similar demographics. Obviously, um, I struggled at times because I, I had a lot of mates from both areas, and um, they used to beef a little bit at times. So I, you know, I played all my all my <laughs> football at inside, but I had to I had to catch a train back to Mount Jordan every day. So I was caught in the middle at times. But um, you know, I'm really proud of of where I've come from. I'm, I'm proud of both areas, and um, you know, I really love getting back there. Sure. Is your parents still living in the area, man? Yeah, they're still in Mount Druid in, in the same house, to be fair. I pay out of them. They haven't done a thing to it since they bought it in. <laughs> in but, uh, yeah, still in the, the same house. Uh, it's, it's good. It's, it's really cool coming from Humble Begins. Mum and Dad still live in Quakerzoo as well. And, you know, I love going back there for a feed, and I'm sure that you do when you when you come back to Australia. But it's just one of those things. It's just those those humble roots, eh, hey, man? Yeah, definitely. You know, touching back to my kids, uh, you know, they've... They've obviously been pretty blessed with the, the lives they've been able to lead and, um, you know, you don't want it to be one way or the other, but you, you certainly want to give them a taste of, of a bit of both, I suppose. Yeah, for sure, man. Now, you went to school at Dommies. Did, did you get a scholarship there? Yeah, so I, obviously my parents couldn't afford to send me to St. Dom's. So I was due to go to Hill Sports because that's obviously a, a state school. Um, but then I uh, got offered a scholarship to go to St. Dom's. Um, as it turned out, the principal that gave out all the scholarships actually passed away in between me getting the scholarship and arriving at St. Dom's, but oh, um, the, the scholarship... Did that nearly put it on the back burner? Yeah, it definitely did. Uh, we, we, we had a lot of dramas with that, and uh, but we ended up keeping the scholarship and you know going right through to year 12, and uh, I'm really glad that I did, to be to be fair. St. Dom's is a... Um, you know, they, they turn boys into men, that's for sure, and I, I don't think I'd be who I was today if I didn't stick out my time at at St. Dom's. Oh, it's a good school, man. Who Was there any other footy players that were in your, in your grade? Mate, when I... No, not in my grade, but when I got there in year seven. So w- when I first got there, the, St. Dom's had the relationship with the Penrith Panthers. So if you were a, yeah, yeah. If you were a contracted player, you went to St. Dom's. So 
the who's who of every single age group was was at the school I used to walk through. The, <laughs> no joke, like I used to walk through the. Because all that Luke Rooney and that was that you yeah. too young for Luke Rooney? No, no. Really? My year seven year was the year they won the the Arrival Live Cup. So. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like I remember, because at the time I was still refereeing, and you would see the boys on the weekend playing for Penrith, and then you would do because I was at uni at the time. I'd referee the MCS on the Thursday, so you turn up to MCS, and, <clears throat> and the teams that Penrith were fielding on the Saturday were literally the teams that the Dombies were fielding on the Thursday. And then obviously St. Pat's are in there. You had the West Magpies boys playing for St. Greg's. Like the MCS t- like competition, which I'm sure you played in, was nearly better than the Junior Reps competition. Yeah, it's sort of what I, I try to explain to the, the English boys over here is you can you can actually probably further your career more in, in the school competitions than what you can sort of on the weekend. They certainly come hand in hand in many ways, but um, like you make a few of them schoolboy rep teams and you're, you're pretty set going forward. Yeah, I agree 100%, man. So talk to me about when Penrith first spotted you because, you know, you just you did joke that you did peak between the ages of 10 to 13, I think you said. But to get into the Harold Matthews, as you know, the Penrith district is the most competitive district going around. But to get spotted, what, what age were you when you first got identified? Penrith picked sort of 30, 40-man development squads from under 12s right through. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be involved in all of them. Um, and then in Harold Matts, I, um, I was picked up. They, what they used to do in, in Harold Matts was they picked four, four halves and they turned two of them into hookers and... Um, at the time, I was pretty shattered, but I was one of the ones that got turned into a hooker. So, um, yeah, it was a long journey from from under twelves right through. But um, yeah, you're right. The, the junior comp is very strong, and um, something I reckon really helped me in good stead going forward. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, now, in terms of like when you you know go to development squad, is that just like a bit of a trackie and you get a few free tickets to the game? Are they they locking you on a contract? How does that work? No, no, I didn't I didn't sign a contract with the Panthers until I was eighteen and you know, that was something that was always a little bit disheartening. Not that it, it really mattered, but there were certainly kids in my age who were getting signed a hell of a lot lot younger. So um, you know, I was certainly being a local junior, you know, I wouldn't say I was taken for granted, but um, they sort of knew I was there, and once you're in their development systems, it, it makes it very hard for you to, to leave and go to another club, as it is as well, because then, you know, the next club have to pay a thing called a development fee for you and things like that. So, um, but, you know, the way it all panned out, mate, I, I can't complain, and, you know, I've been blessed to have the career today that I have, I suppose. Yeah, who'd you have in SG Born Harry Matthews? Because I remember a coach, his name was Bill Dowers. Did you have him? Uh, no, I didn't have Bill Dowers. I think I heard some really tough stories about him. He used to flog it to the, to the heels yeah, I had. He's a good coach, really understanding guy, though. That's one uh, thing. trying to think of who I had. Uh, I had Craig Colnane in under 20. Okay, yeah, 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 I know who that is. Yep. And he was my high school teacher all the way through. And <laughs> so he was he was always a really big supporter of me, and, and had he not been the coach at the 20s at the time, I don't think my career would have kicked on like it did. He... He pulled me out of the SG ball squad at 18, and I was one of the first ones he pulled up into the 20s squad, which which was a big deal. You wanted to be one of the ones that played 20s the, the same year as your 18s comp finished, and I managed to do that, and it sort of kicked me on from there. Yeah, how'd you get out of being a hooker, though? I didn't, really. I, my whole time at Penrith, it didn't matter who I asked, what coach, what assistant coach, or anyone. No one knew what position I was going to be. I, I don't know if you've done much research, but I, I debuted as an edge-back rower for, for the Panthers NRL team and, um, you know, ended up moving around anywhere, everywhere. And probably wasn't until 
I left Penrith and was heading to the Tigers that I said I said to the Tigers that, you know, I want to come for an opportunity, but I'm coming as a 5'8". Um, they sort of backed me to do that and things sort of took off a little bit from there. Yeah, funny story, man. I was actually at your debut. In Canberra? Because, yeah, in Canberra. Because what happened was one of my best mates, his name's Dave Ryan, he's, he's a touch judge and it was his first ever game. That was his first ever game in NRL. Yeah. So all the boys, we all travelled down to Canberra to support him. And, like, I didn't realise this until yesterday when I just had a look at what your debut was. And I go, this game just rings so many bells. So he lives in London now, too, because he moved over there for work last year. Yep. And so I sent him a message overnight. I go, is this your debut game? And he messaged me back straight away. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, why? And he goes, it's Blake Austin's debut game as well. I think you were number 17, what I wrote down. Yeah, yeah. And you're off the bench. And he goes, is that definitely your debut game? He goes, yeah, because it was a mad night too because we went to, I'm sure you living in Canberra, we went to Mooseheads and all sorts of things after the game. Like we, had the, we had the best night that night. So, And I know you guys won by one. So it was just, a weird, it was freezing cold. Like That's why I remember this game like it was yesterday. But yeah, I was there, man. Yeah, I, I got to play with Josh Papali when I went to Canberra. But um, if you check his highlights package, there's a um super keen, Blake Austin sort of charging on the burst, my first carry, and he and he absolutely lifts me and dumps me. So, um, yeah, it's certainly not not the introduction to the NRL you want. Yeah, mate. But at the time, because Penrith they had a they had a caretaker coach, what Steve Georgialis. How does what was the culture like during that time? And then how do you get told you're going to be making your debut? To be fair, at the time it was for yes, yeah, as, as I was going to say. To be fair, at the time it was quite a volatile time to be at the club for a young kid. Um, I don't mean nothing was was done bad by me or anything like that, but as a young guy, we got to witness a lot of uh, very heated conversation between senior players and you know senior staff members. That wasn't great. You know, Matt Matt Elliott was sort of in the paper every week, waiting to be sacked, and um, I think the senior players had been assured that they'd be um, spoken to before a decision was made, and I think it didn't eventuate. So as I said, we sat in some pretty heated meetings and. Um, as a young kid, it's it's not it's not ideal, but you also sort of stay out of it and just crack on. I think you know, Steve George Alice, it was great of him to give me my opportunity. I remember he, he pulled me in that week and he said, listen, I'm going to play you this week. Do you want me to name you in the program or do you want me to keep it a secret? And I said, bloody, bloody, I've put in the program, let everyone know. So. <laughs> the big league program, how good was that when you used to pick it up on like a, th- well, I think it was a Thursday or whatever? Yeah, I got to wear number 17 and... Um, I'm really fortunate that I debuted when I did because, you know, I got to play with Luke Lewis, Petro Sivanaseva, Trent Waterhouse, guys like that. So, uh, uh, really blessed to say that I played with those guys. Yeah, see, when looking back on it now, because, like, Louis obviously a huge leader. Petro's probably the nicest person I've ever met, and he's obviously a leader. Now that you're in a role, because you're at 29 years old, so you're a senior member at Warrington, do you look back at the kind of things that they taught you and kind of try to apply that to, to your squad now? Yeah, I think in many ways I'm a bit too silly to be exactly like them guys. I, I like to be loud and make a joke and have a win. So, uh, but, it, you know, there's something I learned from Petro that I'll never forget ever in my life. And um, I was 19, so, you know, as a squad member that I was, I'd, I'd been offered a pre-season with the NRL squad and what came after that I wasn't sure. But we played a trial in Port Macquarie, it was, and I just had my first borns done. And the, the standing that I had in the squad, you know, I didn't really – even really have a right to be talking to Petro, but uh, after the game, he he walked across the other side of the field and he met my partner, my mum, my dad, and my nan and pop and my newborn son. And um, I thought that was really special. But 
Um, I think the kicker is three months later at a Panthers home game. He, he said hello to my dad and he remembered his name. And uh, for my dad, that was obviously a big thrill. But for me, it was just a lesson in, um, you know, just being humble and, and, and giving, giving anyone a, the, the time of day, no matter who they are. Yeah, man, it's just a bit of humility there. But, yeah, like I said, Petro is the nicest guy. Like, he would steal your car, but he'd give it back to you, wouldn't he? Like, that's how good he is. In many ways, he was In many ways, he was probably too good a leader at the Panthers because, you know, he went into bat for, for absolutely everything at the that the boys sort of wanted done or, or what he thought should have been done. And, you know, I think without knowing the ins and outs, probably a reason Gus moved a lot of them guys on when he came in was to, to get a fresh start and, you know, a new core base of players, I suppose. Yeah, man, you just, you know, you mentioned having your son so early. How did fatherhood kind of affect your footy, especially so early? Because what were you, 20, 21 years old? Uh, it didn't affect it at all, if I'm if I'm honest. I've had a partner that's been brilliant. You know, she she never expects too much of me. She's She understands that uh, my job's pretty easy, but also pretty demanding. And, you know, I need to do well to, to feed the family. So, uh, but yeah... I'm really glad I had my son when I have. I know, you know, I've got teammates now that are quite jealous when I bring my nine-year-old son into the sheds. And, you know, yeah. I, I know in, in 20 years' time, my son's going to remember a, a really large chunk of my NRL career. And you know, I'm really blessed to say that he will. Yeah. So, Blake, what happened? Because obviously you were at Penrith in the system, in the first grade system for a couple of years. And then obviously you go a little bit on the scrap heap and literally have no options but to go to the West Tigers. What was that period of time? How did you kind of lose your footing in first grade and then how did the Tigers pick you up? A few different reasons as you know what happens with most players obviously injuries play a little role in there somewhere um, you know I've never been shy to say in the past that I I just thought things were going to happen I think you know I was a pretty handy 20s player and I just thought you had to show up and, and things would get done just like they did in Toyota Cup and that's not how it panned out and um, as it was I was on a I was on a really good deal at the Panthers and for them to keep me, they had to pay a sum that, you know, I, I certainly wasn't worth with, with what I, how I performed over the last 12, 18 months. So, um, I was probably a bit naive. I thought clubs were going to come come with their offers ready, but um, there were certainly a few crickets chirping. There wasn't many many deals coming in. And, you know, I, I left for the Tigers on probably a quarter of the money that, that, that I was on at the Panthers as a 19-year-old. So, uh, looking back, it's the, the best thing that's ever happened. I... I think back to the four-month period between leaving the Panthers and arriving at the Tigers, mate. I, I've never been in better shape, and I had the best preseason I could, and um, I've got some real fond memories of my 12 months at the Tigers. Yeah, for sure, man. It's actually weird. It's one game I remember of you. It was the very last game, because for that for that year, it was the Sardi year, and I go for the Sharks, so it was really hard watching them play, so... The last game you played against them, but you were playing like fullback or something. It was weird for you because you'd been shuffled around the team so much, but you had an absolute blinder that day. And I think you'd had already, I'm not sure, but you'd, I think you might have already signed with Canberra. But I'm going, this guy is going to absolutely blitz it next year. And I had, didn't know that much about you at the time, but do you remember that game? I think it was the very last game. It might have been Leichhardt or something, man. Uh, yeah, we played the Sharks. I was, I was actually probably in just as deep in negotiations with the Sharks to go there at that time as well. Um, I remember Michael Gordon pulling me aside at the end of that match to, to get in my ear to come over and, and join the Sharks. But um, I was really comfortable with my decision to head down to Canberra. I knew they, they had some big forwards that were going to help me play a bit of front foot footy. And um, yes, yeah, so as I said, I really enjoyed my time at the Tigers. Um, I think when I got to the Raiders, Ricky actually sort of told me that they recruited me as a fullback. I, I was actually going there to play a bit of one. They, 
that was just after the period of missing out on James Tedesco. I think Josh Mansell, Kevin Proctor. So, um, yeah, I went there for that, but you know, ended up finding a home at home at five eight. Yeah, what's what's the first impression when you met Ricky Short? Oh, probably more nervous than anything. He's a guy that's got a you know a wonderful stature in in our sport. So, um, there's not too many people involved in our game that have that sort of um, aura. I think you know. Mount Meninga comes to mind, um, guys like that. But, uh, yeah, I was certainly pretty nervous to meet him. But, yeah, he's just a knockabout bloke that, that really loves his players and uh, would do anything for him. Yeah, with, what's the Raiders' culture like? Because, you know, Ricky was obviously a big part of what they did in the late 80s and, and early 90s. Like, does he try to ingrain that still back into the players? Yeah, his um, club culture is something that's of most importance to Ricky, I think. You know, when I was there, we certainly, you know, we almost had education sessions in um, learning about the players that had come before us. But um, I think it's a wonderful culture. Canberra's a place where most of the boys that do play footy there, they don't come from there. So what that means is they rely rely heavy, heavily uh, on their teammates and, and their families really get around with each, around each other. And um, I, I've told people before, Canberra's the best kept secret in, in Australia. It's a wonderful place to live. It's it's got a bad reputation, but no one that's actually lived there has too many bad things to say about it. Yeah, how did you guys... Because you had a mad 2016 season, because they had a few lean years going into that. What do you reckon was the, the biggest the biggest thing in the turnaround out down there? Oh, we just... We had a few sort of hungry guys come in. We we had Sisawanga come in at the time, and um, he probably didn't leave on the best terms, but he certainly played a big role in turning the club around. Um, C.S. Soliola came in the same year I did and, and he, he was huge for us and um, you know we signed a pretty pretty unknown hooker from um, whole KO in, in Josh Hodgson that come in and you know we all just just chipped in and, and sort of played a role in, in, in turning our season around I think 2015 was my best year personally um, as a team in 16 we, we were really good and um, unfortunately a couple of lean years after that yeah, you know, you just mentioned Josh Hodgson. Like, when he left England, like, a lot of people in England didn't even really rate him. Was there a moment in when you guys first met or something in training? Like, was there a moment when you go, this this guy's just a gun? No, I think as soon as he got there, you could tell that he was someone really driven to succeed. He, he works really hard on his craft. And, um, yeah, as you, you're right in, in saying that not too many people even really knew who he was before he'd come over, but... I think what he'd done was he, he put himself in a team that was really going to suit him. We, you know, Canberra's always been known for their big boppers. And when you got guys that get on the front foot, you know, your hooker's going to be over the field day. So um, it's what I try and tell the English boys over here. If, you, if you're ever going to go over, you've, you've got to go to a club that's willing to use your one, but also one that's going to suit your, your style as well. Yeah, you know, you mentioned before Papali. That, that forward pack you had in 15 and 16, that was the biggest forward pack I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, have, Paulo, you, have you played or seen a bigger forward pack? Junior Paulo, Shannon Boyd, Paul Vaughan, like it was unbelievable, Josh Papali. So um, in, in many ways in the in the next couple of years, we, we probably got a little too big and it was a, a little bit our downfall, but um, oh, mate, it was a wonderful team to play, play behind. I think my first year there, we had Dave Stillington still around and Dane Till. So yeah, yeah. Mate, we, had some, we had some big boys. Are you are you cheeky on the field? Because that kind of gives you a bit of room to just go after everyone. What what do you like on the field, Blake? Um, I think as a halfback, you, how cheeky you are on the field depends on how you're playing. If you if you're having a blood driven game, you're not going to say too much. And uh, when you're playing well, you you talk a bit more. I'm not 
certainly not personal or anything like that. I, I like to have a joke and muck around on the field, but I'm, I, I never, never real personal or, or anything like that. Yeah, Blake, something I want to ask you is just your prep on game day. I just was reading that you actually read to yeah, calm yourself I, down. Talk um, to me about your prep. Not to calm myself, probably more just to distract my mind. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty free-flowing kind of guy. I don't like to get bogged down in, in details too much. And, you know, another thing I like to do on game day is stay as busy as possible. So, you know, when I was back in Sydney, I'd go and watch Junior League all day. And, you know, people would say I was crazy for doing that. But I just, I had to be out and about because if I wasn't, you know, I'd be sitting on the couch thinking about the game that night and, you know, play the game before I got there. So reading's one way that I distract myself from, from what's ahead and, and staying busy is another way that, uh, yeah, we I've freaked a lot of coaches out because I I can be quite jovial and stuff in the sheds before the games, but uh, yeah. while, while you're winning, it's it's not, not an issue, but if you lose, it's yeah, you're certainly going to be blamed for that. Yeah, I know it's on your 30 minutes every day to be reading right now. Have you got anything... Got anything for the audience out there, mate? Something that you've you've read recently? That uh, my my all time favorite book would be The Road Less Travelled, and I think if you're at an age where you or you're in a relationship where you think you're sort of ready to to really grow up as an adult, I think that's a great book. It's one that I read when I was about nineteen, twenty. So The Road Less Sorry, Travelled. Sorry, like you said, The Road Less Travelled. Yeah, that's my. I think it's um, Scott M. Peck, maybe. I think, but it's a okay, uh, one I think we're definitely going to have some time, so I'll definitely get that one in. You should definitely check out How to Win Friends and Influence People. Have you read that one? Yeah, there's obviously a long list. I've Mate, I've got a backlog of about 20 books that I'm 40 pages into every one of them. So, um, <laughs> and I, I swear by The Secret. I'm, I'm a really big fan of The Secret, which is the secret. a little too – not too sure. It's, it's a little bit too far-fetched for some people, but it's it's just about your, your wavelengths you put out to the universe and – receiving in return so um, I read that quite regularly as well okay and not, you know just talking about off-field distractions and things that you do away from the game you know when you're in, in Australia especially when you're still in Sydney you're, you're coaching you're coaching at the Roos yeah I, now yeah. was there a team that was like poor discipline that you kind of fixed what was the story behind that um, yeah there was a, you know my brother actually played in the team for five years and every year I'd go down to watch him and Every game I, I went to watch would finish in a fight and they'd have five kids suspended and their season would be in, in disarray, you know. So um, obviously a few tough run-em-up kids playing for Dernside. So um, they'd had probably five coaches over the five years he'd been there and everyone had sort of given up on him. And I thought I'd, obviously with the standing that I had in the area, I thought, you know, obviously a bit of a glorified role for me. It's a bit easier for me to get the best out of him than, than some other older bloke that sort of tried his best, so... Uh, ended up really enjoying it. I got a lot out of it. Probably took more away from it than than what the boys did. I coached in, in a way. It taught me to. I probably lacked a little bit of discipline at that point in my rugby league career. And you know, bring him after a long day of preseason to to know that I've got a front up for for twenty boys that are relying on me. And um, I think it taught me a bit that that little bit of discipline I was lacking. And you know, I knew it it could have a real detrimental effect on the boys if I didn't regularly show up. They were, they were quite disappointed if I wasn't there from them and I didn't want to be another person that let them down. Yeah, just, you know, sticking on coaching, you know, obviously take away Steve Price because he's your coach at, at the Warrington Wolves now, but who do you reckon has had the most influence in terms of coaching on you, on your career? Um, to, 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 to be 100% honest, Craig Colnane, the guy I mentioned earlier, was, um, I've, I've never had a coach look at me and, and believe in me the way he does ever since I was, I was 12 years old. I, um, you know, I've probably never never got the chance to tell him as as much as I should have that 
you know, he's had the biggest biggest impact on my career. One thing I've learned over the years is, you know, I've had four or five coaches now. They're all they're all very similar. I think um, I got to work with Wayne in the Great Britain squad, and you, obviously you hear a lot of stories about Wayne, and you know, every story that I've heard got confirmed in the first twenty minutes I met the bloke, and um, obviously he's very good at. Um, the way he treats his players and, and, and makes them feel about himself. So um, I've had a lot of different coaches and, you know, they're all – and one thing I say to people too is, is how good a coach is depends on, on what they do for you. So Mick Potter had a had a really tough trot at the Tigers while I was there, but, you know, my, my career and, and what I've done in the last six, seven years has been because he gave me the opportunity and, you know, played me in 20 out of the 24 games that season. So in my eyes, he's, he's one of the best coaches I had, but – I probably have a lot of West Tigers teammates that, that wouldn't agree. It's just all, in, I guess, like the old saying, beauty's in the in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, for sure, man. So, mate, just that Canberra, that 2016 season, like, I'm sure that you're probably still regularly in touch with a lot of the boys. Do you kind of see that as a season that kind of got away from you guys? Because you had a huge opportunity that year. Uh, yeah, potentially. I think it didn't. It didn't sink in. We we obviously lost to Melbourne in the you know there was only four teams left and we went down to Melbourne and lost by two points. Um, and it didn't really sink in until we went to the Dally M four days later and the, we we realised the grand final was in six days and that's when it really sunk in how close we were and um, yeah you could say it was one that got away but you know it was also also a wonderful ride and um, you know we gave it our all that game down in Melbourne and they're obviously a tough team to beat down down there. Yeah, it was, I think it was the two weeks before that when you guys lost to the Sharks after you were up 12 nil. Yeah, I, I actually... Know, just little things that just happened in that game that just, you guys unfortunately blew it. I don't know if you remember, I actually, I broke my finger three weeks before that, so I didn't I didn't make it back in time for the Sharks game. I, so, obviously, the team was flying and I was two weeks away from heading into my first NRL final series and I, I broke my finger into two fingers in, in a wrestle session, so... I remember distinctly, you know, sitting in a in an X-ray place at 4 p.m. and, and just crying because I thought I was going to miss my first ever chance and I was going to have to watch the boys. But I made it back for the game after the Sharks to versus the Panthers, and um, really glad that I did. That was a big thrill. That was the first time I ever got to see Canberra Stadium full house, and that was when the Viking clap was still pretty new. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, what an experience! What, what did you guys think when the Viking clap first started? We well, we loved it when it first started. Obviously, it's lost a little bit of its value now. I think the fans sort of take every opportunity they can to do it, whether it's fan days or um, or, or any game. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, if if every club could find something in that small way that makes it a bit more tribal, I suppose Cronulla's got something very sing- similar with the Up Up Cronulla song they sing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the AFL, something the AFL do, do really well is, is that tribalism and you know, it can only be good for the game. Yeah, I totally agree, man. So, mate, uh, t- talk to me about the decision to leave Canberra and why you decided to come to Warrington. I think the decision to leave Cram- Canberra I'd sort of made quite early. Uh, once again, it was it was, it was was tough time to find a new deal. I think a lot of clubs were settled for halves. and uh, it, I don't know if you remember, but it was that time period where a lot of the clubs had um, banked on the, the salary cap being a little higher than what it was going to be and probably overspent a lot of clubs. So, um, yeah, I just, I knew I needed a change and I, I was willing to sort of allow that change to be anywhere. And um, obviously at the last minute, a really, really good opportunity come up at Warrington and, you know, what's, what's more of a change than picking up your four kids and flying to England? 
Yeah, for sure. Was was Warrington the only choice? Oh, sorry, the only option. My apologies. In England? Nah. To be fair, I'd, I'd had a I had an interest from England probably months before Warrington had even come in, and I pretty pretty flatly shut my manager down and said I'm not going to the the Super League. So um, I'd sort of closed the door on that. And as I said at the last minute, it, it, you know, a really good offer come through. And um, the more I thought about it, the the, the more I sort of was open to it. I knew that I could come here and potentially further my career. I knew I could, um, you know, change my allegiance to England and potentially go down that path as well. So um, I, was, I was really happy to come over. Okay, so before you even got here to, to England, you had actually thought about potentially playing international footy for, for Great Britain? Yeah, you know, whether people believe this or not, I've, I've had a desire to play for England for a very long time. My grandmother's someone, you know, that's been a huge supporter of my career. And, you know, I actually said, said I would love to do it a lot younger than what I did. Obviously, you know, people say it's easy to say now, but, um, yeah, and I, I knew coming over here I could potentially go down that path. And, and as I said, not many people get to come to England and, and further their career. A lot of them come at an age where they come and see the world, but I knew that I could come at an age where I could still play some pretty handy footy and and hopefully you know, force my into some international stuff. Yeah, I mean, last year you had an absolute stellar season. You know, you're, you're nearly a man of steel. I think your running game went to another level. How did you feel about last season? Yeah, it took me a long while to get going. Ever since I, I signed here, everyone I spoke to said how much the game was going to suit me and things like that. But, you know, probably for the first four or five weeks, it didn't seem to suit me at all. I, I struggled for, you know, a good five weeks to really understand what the game's about over here. It's, it's hard to explain why, but it's just so different to back home and, um, you just get things happening on the field that wouldn't happen back home. You, it's all pretty regimented in the NRL, and you can count on sort of every team sort of dishing up the sim- very similar sort of stuff. Whereas over here, you like you get things happening like you get four men defenders jamming you. Know, like you wouldn't dream of that back home. Halves jamming, Senate, like yeah. It took me a while to get going, but uh, yeah, haven't looked back since I come over. I knew the lifestyle here, I'd enjoy, and um, you know it's all certainly come to fruition the, the, the way I thought it would. Yeah, the boys over there look tough as hell too, man. Like, is there a comparison in the physicality at all? It's. I think it's more physical here in in many ways. I think the game back home, it's just gotten so quick that it's it's, it's you know ten fifteen minutes into a game, it's 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 hard to be too physical because you just all all you're trying to do is make your shots and not miss. Whereas over here, mate, you're copping knocks that you wouldn't dream of copping back home. The game's a slightly bit slower, and um, yeah, I certainly. I certainly wake up a hell of a lot sore here than what I do ever did sort of back home. Yeah. I think that's How's why, your... you know what? I think that's why yeah, the, sorry, forwards, the forwards that head over to the the NRL do so well is because I think, you know, the, obviously the pace is the only thing they've got to get used to, but a four-month preseason is going to do that. It's going to get them up to speed. And once they realise that it's, you know, probably less brutal than the game back home, I think that's why they, they thrive. Yeah, what about the wrestle, Blake? Because it just seems there's not as much wrestle at all. Zero, zero wrestle at all here. I think I said the other day that the, the first club that really invests heavily in a wrestle coach, I think, you know, could have a lot lot of success over here. But whether it, it's almost as if they've all made a pact that no one's going to introduce it. So, okay. Uh, have you spoken pricey about it? No, nah, not really. It's, as I said, it's definitely an attack focus here. Your, your fans and 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 whatnot are, are crying out for you to score as many points as you can. And, you know, if you're winning 48-46, it's, it's quite an enjoyable game for the fans. Yeah, you know, we've spoken a little bit about Wayne Bennett and obviously your goals of playing for Great Britain, but 
it became reality last year, man. How did you find out that you were going to play for Great Britain? Yeah, obviously, you know, I made this. I let them know that I'd I'd, I'd put my hand up quite early, and then uh, it was about playing good footy and, and hoping for the best. I suppose I I was quite fortunate to go along. I I sustained a medial ligament injury, sort of. Um, in the last game that I had for Warrington. So uh, it was a four to six week injury and the tour was due to leave in about five weeks. So um, truth be told, I, I carried it still a bit bit of a niggle into the tour, but um, I wasn't going to turn up the opportunity to, to represent Great Britain. And um, I, I'm really glad I got to go along and you know, something I really enjoyed. Yeah. Mate, what was it like? Because, you know, you're a half playing on the wing. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the predicament we found ourselves in on the tour, I, you know, I, I'd back Wayne up and saying that I was the best man at the job in, in that particular moment to play on the wing. I think, you know, I had one glaring drop in my, my first catch and it was the easiest attempt that I'd, I'd had in both games that I played. But other than that, mate, I think, you know, I tried my best. I, I certainly got stuck in and bringing the ball out of our end. And, you know, you take one drop out and, you know, probably had a decent game, to be fair. Yeah, do you appreciate wingers more? Yeah, definitely. I think it's taught me a bit more as a half as well. I think um, it taught me that if you know if someone's had a drop from from one of your kicks, not to go away at all. I think I dropped my first one, and then the Kiwis didn't kick to me again for another twenty minutes. And I just thought, mate, if they had kept coming to me, I would have dropped another six. So <laughs> as a half, yeah, sure. You had Sean Johnson dropping bombs on you too, right? No, well, he, as I said, he put the first one up and I dropped it, but then I didn't have to defuse another one for the next twenty minutes. So. Uh, what I learned was if if you do sort of sense a bit of weakness in a winger, you just got to really stick at it because you can. I reckon you can cause some some drama. Is that something that you you've always done? Like picked out someone weak in the team and just target, target, target? Oh, it's something that all teams do, I suppose. And sometimes uh, you know it's not the ones you target. Some someone can be having an off day, and if you do sense they're they're a bit off, I think you've just got to stick at it. Yeah. Okay. Just turning to this season now, you know, Gareth Widdop's only just got on the field. How are you how are you finding playing with him? Yeah, we're, we're learning about each other. I think, you know, we're very similar players in a way. Me and Gareth, very similar personalities. We we don't like to get bogged down too much in the detail. Um, but it's been it's been really cool to have, a you know, someone that spent so long in the NRL in the halves with me. I think the English boys, are, you know, they're really stuck in their ways about the way they think rugby league should play. And, you know, we're a bit more on the cautious sort of high percentage on the other side. So... Uh, it's really important we, we give our points and we take their points on board and we all sort of meet somewhere in the middle. So um, obviously the weather doesn't permit you to play too much of an expansive style early on. and um, Obviously back home it's about completing your sets and kicking the corners and, and waiting for someone to falter. So uh, yeah, it's been good. He, he got his day one and rolled his ankle. It was the most innocuous ankle roll I've ever seen, but he ended up snapping it right through. <laughs> Right Jesus. through his ligaments, so uh, we didn't get to spend too much time together. We only had a four-week preseason as it was, so uh, but we're getting there. We've we had two pretty decent games, you know, before the coronavirus kicked in. But um, hopefully, we can we can get back and, and continue working hard. Yeah, man. You know, we talked about big boppers at Canberra. Murdoch Masilla, he's huge, man. Like, do you do you defend on the same field the side of the field as him? Yeah, yeah. We he's my uh, he's my protector. Big Ben is. Um, Unbelievable, mate. He's, a, he's obviously a big boy, but the motor that he's got is um, yeah, it's quite remarkable. I think we'll see the best out of him in the NRL next season. I think, to be fair, the you know the the, the Super League season is so long and so demanding. I think it's going to be cool to see him in a system where you know twenty 
22, 23-odd games in a season, I think, is only going to be beneficial for, for Ben murdoch Masilla. Yeah. Now, Blake, you know, we talked about you making your international debut for Great Britain. Do they know you, you've run on for Portugal? No, oh, mate. Come on. I've, I've answered this question enough. I'm not going to go here again. <laughs> I still don't know how the, how the hell you played for him. Like, the thing, the picture, 16 or something? Yeah, but the picture I need to paint is... And I'm not being disrespectful to Portugal Rugby League. There was a, a guy called Mao that tried really hard to really get it off the ground. But, mate, you're talking... Like, it's it wasn't really a national fixture in the sense that you're talking about 15 guys met at the gate and said, how you going? We're going to go out there and do our best sort of thing. You know, it's yeah, it's obviously... I actually met a fan in Canberra and he he uh, won a competition. He got to meet his favourite player at the Raiders and he'd come along and he chose to for me to show him around the facilities. Yeah. And I felt so bad. He's... His dad looked at him and said, well, go on, tell Blake, tell Blake why you picked him. And um, he, he went a bit shy and the dad said, oh, he wanted to let you know that he picked you because he's also Portuguese and he was so proud to get shown around by Portuguese. <laughs> I, uh, I shook my head and I couldn't break the kid's heart, but I had to pull the dad aside, you know, 20 metres down the down the terrace and say, listen, man, I, I need to let you know I'm not Portuguese. I, I have represented them, but I, I'm certainly not Portuguese if the, the pale skin and the blonde hair didn't give it away. It was an interesting time back then because I remember you know, one of your former teammates, Jared Samet, he used well, to for Malta, yeah. up for Malta. Yeah, but it was just a weird time because literally he was a gun at the time too. I'm going, why are you playing for Malta? You, you might be able to play for Australia one day. Yeah, but but it was a very interesting time back then. That was the thing. I was 16 and, and Malta was who we played in what was called the Confederation Cup, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So, But being 16 and someone looking to further my career, I've seen guys like Jared Zemet, I think... Um, John Scandalis, did he play for Greece or did he play for Malta? One of the two. I think Greece. That okay. sounds like a but, bit of a Greek name, yeah. Yeah, so I got to get on a field and mix it with guys that had been on, on the NRL stage, and I thought that would be great for me and uh, sort of see where I'm at as a 16-year-old. And as it turned out, I, you know, I was one of their better players and kept getting invited back. So um, I think what I was sort of able to do there for Portugal, I think, played a big role in, in my development for sure. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you keep all your jerseys from all your, your particular significant games in that man yeah man I've got I've got a backlog of about 30 jerseys I want framed so that's sort of dating back from from under 15s rep teams right through to my Warrington ones last year for the man cave one day mate oh definitely yeah yep okay Blake let's wrap things up with a few just rapid fire ones I'm going to start with the first one do you have a nickname yeah just Osto for obviously obvious reasons okay easy done next one do you have a memorable try that stands out um, yeah, probably playing for Canberra. I scored one against Manly later on in the season. I spun around a few times and ran 30 and scored. And the mo- I'm most happiest about the, the style in which I put the ball down, and I thought it was always pretty cool the way I put the ball down in a, in a weird way. Yeah, you've goal kicked from time to time. Do you have a memorable goal, even if it's going back to the junior league days? No, probably my under-9s drop goal to drop kick in front to to seal the grand final and, and then go on to win the car, I suppose. If I had missed that, I, I may not have may not have gone on to win it. Yeah, fair call. Mate, back in the day, that used to be awesome when you used to run on Penrith Park, eh? Like... Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I think the, the bell used to ring it as we are running out. and uh, To be a local, and, and I was obviously always a Parramatta fan, but I knew that if I was going to find a path to the NRL, it would be with the Panthers. So, you know, I had a soft spot for them as well, so... To debut at, at my sort of local club was was always special. All right, next one. What is your favourite venue to play at, and maybe a bogey ground? Uh, favourite venue would be GIO Stadium, Canberra. I think 
surface-wise, there's not many better, um, you know, not many better ones getting around and bogey ground. I don't think I ever won in Melbourne. Uh, Amy Park, I think, on the back of a few items there as well. So, yeah, maybe Melbourne. Yeah, okay. Next one. Who was your smartest teammate? Uh, when? In, in all my teams or...? Any team. So, like, what uh, I was I kind a... of going at with there, maybe someone that's good at investing, maybe someone that brings in the books, someone like that? No, we've got a guy at the club now, Tom Liner. He'd be, probably be someone great for you to get on, on the show, actually. He's quite different. We call him Loophole Tom. He, um, he can find a loophole in anything. He's, he, he's actually skirted um, skirted on the, the side of illegal activity and fraudulent. So he's... Um, yeah, but he, he can find a loophole, and he's he's actually very intelligent and um, quite sophisticated. So has he done like a law degree or something? No, no, no. He's certainly represented himself in court and that a few times, and he's proud to tell us about that. But uh, he's just a different character, mate, and, and someone I really enjoy spending time with. Okay, that could be something different. Mention to him the podcast, mate, see what he says. I will do. All right, next one. Who's your funniest teammate? Uh, probably him. Probably Tom Liner, as I said, i don't want to give too much away about him, but um, I'm not. I'm not actually taking the piss when I say he's got a mannequin called Cynthia. Um, that is <laughs> quite, plays a pretty sort of prevalent role in in his household. So I'll just leave it at that. Oh God! So, mate, the next question was going to be who's the Donny Bradman in your team? So obviously we both know a guy that's obviously got a beautiful wife girlfriend, but we just don't know how he's done it. No, I'm going to have to say, I'd like to think I'm Donnie Bradman, mate. I'll give the missus a rap. <laughs> How long have you guys been together for? Uh, since we were 16, buddy. So wow. Hell of, hell of Did she live time. in the same neighbourhood as you guys? Literally, she lived a five-minute walk away. So yeah, so she's, she's from Blackett and I'm from Heversham. Yeah, I know that. The, both areas very, very well. What, what, what's, her, what's her background? She's Samoan. She's full Samoan, so... Um, yeah, my son's a bit of a little Tim Cahill, so that's his... Tim Cahill, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's his plan. Just make sure he doesn't play for Samoa early like Timmy did. He nearly nah, lost well his he, soccer is because of that. No, nah, well, he's already claimed that um, he's, he's planning on me being here for five years so he can play for England. <laughs> so he'll never play for the soccer is. He's probably going to be a gun too. To be fair, he's, he's, he's going to be eligible for Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, and probably England by the time we, we leave here, so... Um, he's going to we'll have a few options. Have to look out for him. What's his first name? Carter. Depends on the sport he chooses, Carter. I suppose. He's got a few good rugby league options, but only one good uh, soccer option, I suppose. Okay. Now, Blake, my, just my last question is my dinner party question. Now, Blake, you've got five invites to a private dinner party. Now, only rules, no family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. All right. Would Blake Austin like to invite to dinner? My first one's a bit obscure. Have you ever seen Modern Family? Yeah, man. So Phil Dunphy, so not the actor, but the character. So Phil Dunphy's the coolest dad I've ever come across, I reckon. So. <laughs> is that where you base your dad yeah, yeah, stuff him on? And, him and his son's relationship, I think, is really cool. So um, I think Beyonce would be the next one. Um, obviously, such a prominent female figure. Um, um, who else should I have? I've actually thought about this before, and every time I get asked, I get stumped and can't remember who I, who I get, but... <laughs> Um, shit. I don't know why I'm so, so stumped. Oh, do you know what? I think Cam Newton. I'd, I'd, I'd get him in. Not a huge uh, quarterback. Not a huge NFL fan, but uh, pretty big Cam Newton fan. 
He's an interesting cat, eh? What he does, oh, the mate. way he dresses up for the games and that. Yeah, he's unbelievable. You're a fashion guy too, yeah? Uh, yeah, a little bit less than I used to be. I've got too many kids to spend too much, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably someone like a, a Martin Luther King, obviously. And then maybe even a Nelson Mandela would have some pretty good stories. So, guys, yeah, guys like that. Yeah, sure, man. That's some five good picks, man. Well, Blake, I really appreciate you joining me on the show. Before I let you leave, mate, everyone get following Blake. He's very active on his Instagram. He's going to be making plenty of videos coming up as well, so get following him. He's Blake Austin 6 Now, Blake, my man, all the best for this little period of time where, you know, obviously the world's in a little bit of hurt, but, you know, hopefully you guys get back on the field very, very soon. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys doing your time off so have you ever had a thought about kind of what you're going to be kind of producing like maybe if, even for your instagram with your, with your time off yeah just you know plenty of stuff with the kids obviously you know a bit of an insight into my day-to-day life i sort of told you before the show i'm discovering things around my house i never knew existed so yeah you know i might shed a bit of light on that on my instagram but uh, just just some some pretty raw stuff of, of what my day-to-day is all about i suppose yeah, for sure, man. Well, mate, stay safe. All the best to the family, mate, and looking forward to seeing you back on the field soon, soon buddy. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. And that, guys, was Blake Austin. Definitely give him a, a bit of love on his Instagram. He's got a great Instagram, which will continue to produce plenty of content during this isolation period. So give him a follow across all his different social medias. All right, guys, next week on the show, we've got Flano Jr. in Kyle Flanagan, starting halfback for the Sydney Roosters, one of the great Sharks juniors as well. We've got plenty of time for Flano. He was a great junior coming through the ranks, absolutely killed it in both jersey flag and reserve grade. was really sad to see him leave, but definitely know why he did it, and he'll go through all that when he jumps on the podcast. So that's going to be in five days' time. So today is Monday, so look out for that one on Saturday morning. So plenty more in the pipeline. I've got in touch with plenty of the NRL past and present stars of the game. So if you have any guest requests, definitely send them through at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com like I did do at the start of the show. Definitely encourage you to get in touch via email or social media if you want to have a yarn about anything, guys. So stay safe definitely during this period. Pick up my book, Talking With Champions. You'll find it at Dimmick's Booktopia or Angus and Robinson. 75 of my best interviews wrapped up into a book. Definitely a great way to pass some time, especially right now. Also great as a gift. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or girl. You'll both love it. Well, as I said at the top of the show, Diamantina Podcast Network. Plenty of great potties on there to pass ISO during this time. Batuta, Hello Sports, Dylan Friends, Half Cast. There's plenty on there, so definitely check it out. All right, guys, hope you're all staying safe and sane during this period. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.